Hello, the Big D is back, and we're talking all things Week 8 football on the Big D podcast. Before I bring in Alex, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. See all my content, whether it be bears chasing after trailers, football, baseball, NASCAR, UFC, got it all. Also, check out the Big D podcast for all your audio listeners, Spotify, and Apple. So uh, joining us, wearing his uh, Udonis handsome Miami Vice jersey for the NBA opening week, opening night, uh, that would be Alex. So Alex, uh, A, uh, is it weird that Udonis handsome isn't playing for the Miami Heat? And B, could the Miami Dolphins need him? Because it sure looked like you needed some help on Sunday. All right, uh, I'll hit. I'll tackle uh, part A first. Yes, it is weird. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, Udonis Haslam has been a member of the Miami Heat organization uh, for what seems like forever. Um, you know, I vaguely remember as a child him uh, playing for you know my hometown uh, Florida Gators, but uh, you know, I've always known him in the red and black, and it's it's definitely going to be weird not seeing him on the bench and you know having that leadership presence, but. Just going to take guys like Bam Adebayo and, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler to step up and have a little bit more leadership than uh, they have in years past. He'll be fine. Uh, as far as your second point, we're go- we'll are we talk about the Dolphins a little bit as well. I think I definitely think that's something we'll be touching on. But, uh, you know, that game wasn't as bad as the sports says it was. Wait a minute. So, wait a minute. When I – wait a minute. So, the Eagles only beat you – 30 to 17 instead of 31 to 17 because it sure looked more than 31 to 17. Did you watch the game, Dylan? Yes, yes. It wasn't. It wasn't that lopsided. I mean, really. No, no, no. no. You're right. It was more lop. You're right. The final score looked more lopsided than it actually was. No, not at all. The final score looked more lopsided than it actually was. You're right. Um, it was a two. It was a two touchdown game. The the. The drive where they had three tush pushes in the same drive. By the way, by the way, Alex, by the way, what's your view on the tush push and should it be outlawed? Here's my take on it. It's, I didn't have much of an opinion on it before, before Sunday. Um, Obviously after Sunday, it uh, played a pretty big contribution to us losing that football game. And uh, I was definitely frustrated with it on Sunday night. My big thing with the tush push is I, it definitely is rugby esque, and I don't want to join the haters because we got beat by it and we couldn't stop it and say, oh, they should ban it. You know, I don't want to have that that gut shot reaction. My big problem with it is I, I don't know. One of them looked totally fine, but I believe it was the second one of the game that they had converted. You can see Dallas Goder, behind, Dallas Goder behind uh, Jalen Hurts with his hands underneath his back pad, lifting him. Jalen Hurts wasn't doing any work. His feet weren't even on the ground. Dallas was lifting him from, grabbing his back shoulder pad and lifting him up and just kind of like carrying him over the line. That is where it's a problem because you're, it's, it's the same, it's the same thing where like on a defensive special teams play, you know, you can't use your teammates to catapult over over the line and block the kick. You know, we've seen that happen, and they instituted a, a penalty for that. You should not be able to grab your own teammate's pads and physically, like, lift him forward like that. 
As far as the regular play when, you know, they're not doing that and it's just Jalen Hurts using his lower leg strength, that, I, I guess, is is acceptable. Um, I still think it is relatively rugby-esque, um, but uh, as long as it's just Jalen Hurts, and, like, if you're pushing him, like, that happens in piles. Like, that's something that happens. That's a football play. But when it comes to actually, like, grabbing his pads and, like, carrying him over the line, that's where I have a problem with. I mean, it helps to have a 600-pound squat, squat guy plus Travis Kelsey literally can get down low than any center in NFL history. Like, if the defensive line were here, Travis Kel- – I mean, excuse me, Jason Kelsey would be here. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's impressive. I'm not going to lie. You know, they've – I know there's a lot of people who, who want to see it banned, and I think it's, you know, primarily because their teams got beat by it. And, you know, I, I definitely think that, you know, it's – you can't ban something just because someone's good at it. I think, unfortunately, what's going to happen is teams are going to start pulling Troy Polamalu's and trying to jump over the line of scrimmage. And what's going to end up happening is there's going to be an injury by the result of the play. Someone's going to hit Jalen Hurts wrong. There's going to be a helmet-to-helmet. Jalen Hurts is going to get concussed. Or something along those lines is going to happen. Someone's going to get hurt, and it will end up getting banned because of the injury. It's it's just my hypothesis on what's going to happen. But, you know, you you can't ban a play because someone's good at it. You can ban a play if it it leads to injury and if it consistently is, is deemed unsafe. Um, So far, we haven't really seen any, any injury instances from it, so... You know, I, I think as long as, like I said earlier at the top of the show, you know, as long as they're not physically grabbing his equipment and, and helping him and helping kind of propul, propulse himself over the line, that's where I have a problem with it. But if it's just Jalen Hurts, I mean, at that point, it's a QB sneak and and he's getting he's getting pushed from the from behind. But that happens on any on any kind of uh, scrum run play anyway. So, you know, it's. As long you know, if so, if, if no one gets hurt, that's fine. But I think as soon as someone starts getting hurt from it, specifically, obviously, Jalen Hurts is you know uh, becoming one of the faces in the NFL. I, I definitely think Roger Goodell is of it. I didn't think we could. I didn't think so. I didn't think a play would become the butt of everyone's shows. <laughs> well played, Dylan. Well played. But uh, Alex, I mean. A little bit past third of the way through the season, not quite at Halloween. I mean, your Dolphins all five and two. I mean, a is do you, do you? I mean, a couple injuries. I mean, maybe Tyreek Kill, Jalen uh, Holland, Olmstead, couple of guy. Uh, uh, your corners didn't play on Sunday night, but do you think that Miami Dolphins? Are capable of beating one of these Philadelphia, San Francisco's, Kansas City's, particularly in cold weather, or the Dolphins more a great team, more Dolphins more a fast Ferrari? You know, they, I definitely think that they're capable of doing that. Uh, I mean, you, you talk about cold weather. I mean, Miami should have beaten the Bills twice in cold weather last season. So, I mean, and that's one of them with the third string quarterback. So. You know, I think the I think the cold weather take is a little outdated. Um, but you know, I, I, to to answer your question, I mean, I'm going to start off with the injuries because uh, that's where you started with. The Dolphins are getting more players back uh, by the, in the second half of the season than they've lost. I mean, 
yeah, Tyreek Hill is banged up. We really didn't hear anything about it until today. It's definitely a new development. We know he didn't practice today. He's got a hip injury. There's really not a lot of information out there right now about Tyreek Hill's status. His, his status is up in the air for Sunday. If it's going to be a long-term thing, you know, that's something we're going to have to deal with. Hopefully he's back next week against the Kansas City Chiefs because I know he wants to, of course, be there uh, for his first game against Kansas City. But, you know, Toronto Armstead's going to be coming back. Jalen Ramsey is apparently making super speed on his Achilles, uh, Achilles or meniscus meniscus injury and, and his recovery there. The Dolphins are getting more players back than they're losing. Um, so I'm not worried about the injury side of things. I think we're going to have some re- reinforcements coming in. Toronto Armstead will be back shortly as well, uh, which will definitely help out. But, you know, as far as down the stretch and playing good teams, you know, I – like I said, that Eagles game was closer was closer than it looked like. We were in that game until, you know, that, that long drive that they had really killed the game there. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm confident in, in Mike McDaniel, and I'm confident in, in the Dolphins players. You know, the big concern that people had with, with, uh, with the Dolphins team this season was if Tua can stay healthy. He has not shown any instances or any signs of any injuries throughout this season. We've seen the jujitsu come into play with, I don't know if you've seen the clips. Obviously, I run across them maybe a little bit more than you would. But, I mean, I, I've seen him backflipping out of, out of uh, you know, plays when he's been pushed down to the ground. He kind of does a little backflip and, and lands back on his feet. And, you know, we haven't had any concerns when it comes to Tua. I think, yes, defenses are kind of picking up what the Dolphins are doing, but you can only, you can only cover it for so long. Defenses are going to get exhausted. And, you know, Mike McDaniel is continuously uh, evolving that offense. So. You know, I, I definitely think the Dolphins have, you know, it's 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 obviously a bit concerning that we've played the, the two teams with, with winning records we've played this season haven't been the closest games and haven't been victories. But I do expect us to beat Kansas City, um, you know, next week. And uh, and I say that, you know, expecting Tyreek Hill to play uh, without that, that might change things. But I do expect the Dolphins to win that football game and. Really, I, I do have high hopes for them moving forward, and I think they're—I still think that they're a team to contend in the AFC. But uh, let's switch it over. Uh, enough about the Dolphins. We talked about them enough. I want to hear about your Jacksonville Jaguars, Dylan. Obviously, uh, coming off a Thursday night football uh, victory over the New Orleans Saints uh, last week, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are sitting here at five and two. It's a good look for them so far. You got the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh this week at one o'clock. Uh, what, what are your expectations for this game against Pittsburgh and for the Jaguars for the rest of the year? By the way, by the way, I've got. Let me see if you can remember this. You know what? Four wins in 19 days spanning two continents. That's good. I like that. That's good. That's a good poll you got there. I mean, be honest with you, I didn't think I knew Jack uh, Trevor Lawrence would play in the dome because A, he went over to a Clemson, and B, Trevor B, Great quarterbacks aren't always healthy. I mean, both quarterbacks will fall from 100% in the Super Bowl. And sometimes you're not going to have the mobility. You're not going to have the fastball. But the Saints couldn't get near trouble once. But, I mean, I think the Jags 
have actually exceeded my expectations this year. I mean, Christian Kirk looks like Christian Kirk. I mean, Calvin Ridley hasn't always been there, but I think Ridley was due for some positive regression. Everything moves there. Travis Etienne has been a big surprise this year. He has been in fuego the last couple of weeks. Woo! And honestly, to be to be to be completely transparent with you, I expected a big year out of Travis Etienne this year, and I was surprised at how many Jaguars fans, specifically you in particular, uh, did not have the highest expectations for him. I just figured, you know, another year, another year of professional experience with Trevor Lawrence under his belt. Um, you know, obviously another year of experience for for Travis Etienne. I expected the Jaguars as a whole to be a lot better this season, and I thought Etienne would benefit from that. So. You know, I'm not as excited. This is pretty much what I expected out of ETN, but, you know, I, I know that uh, not everyone had those same thoughts. So, uh. But defensively, the Jaguars have actually played really well. I think Jacksonville leads the league in takeaways, which is something we're not usually great. Jacksonville's not usually great at pressuring the other quarterback and taking the ball away from the offense. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge thing. Honestly, it's something that, I've been hoping to see a little bit more from Miami this year. Uh, we've had some fumbles, some fumble recoveries in a couple. I mean, obviously, Jerome Baker had the pick six uh, on Sunday night. But, you know, it's it's a huge thing. I mean, you get you get that defense to, to get those takeaways, and you set up Trevor Lawrence in good field position, let Travis CTN run it in. I mean, that's that's how you win football games right there. Hey, hey, I mean, you you know. One play can change everything. You get pressure on the other quarterback, and all of a sudden, pick six going the other way. Or somebody makes a play here, it's a touchdown going the other way. Who would think that the Jacksonville Jaguars would have forced 16 turnovers? 16 turnovers in seven games. I mean, it's 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 a great thing to be on the on the side that you weren't expecting of. I guess you know you weren't expecting the best season out of ETN. You weren't expecting this many turnovers for the defense, and you know, trust me, I know all about pleasant surprises when it comes to to our football team. So, I mean, I mean, are the Jags in the Super Bowl bubble? I think they're in the bubble for sure. Um, you know, it's it's a different AFC than I, the AFC is playing out a little differently than I think a lot of people expected yeah. going into I mean, the. Kansas City looks great, but there's a team in the AFC North that might challenge Kansas City. It's not the Bengals right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's right the Bears. So, uh, Alex, quickly, one more. I mean, we've seen Tyler Taylor – Start for Daniel Jones the last couple of weeks. He all but beat the Bills, but not for a time for a couple of time time during the headline moments on Sunday night, and then beat the Washington Commanders last week quickly. One more. If you were Brian Dable, assuming Daniel Jones is healthy, who's starting? Who's the New York Giants starting quarterback? Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor? Daniel. Tyrod Taylor, and it's not even close. Tyrod Taylor's a better throw, better runner, and doesn't make mistakes. I mean, all I'm looking at is, yeah, they almost beat the Bills. They also put up nine points. Yeah, they beat the Commanders. They put up 14 points. Like, I get I get it. 
But you just paid Daniel Jones a bunch of money. I don't care what he's looked like this season. Tyrod Taylor's your backup quarterback, and Daniel Jones is the starter. The you- Cleveland Browns put up 39 points with Deshaun Watson sitting on the bench on Sunday. Yeah, but the Giants aren't going anywhere this season. Like, what's the point of playing Tyrod Taylor? You just paid all this money to Daniel Jones. You may as well at least give him the reps and, and give him the opportunity to try and turn things around for, for his own sake. Obviously, what happened if Daniel Jones plays? He will be sacked. He will throw picks. The Giant fans will boo. And fantasy and Darren Wall is going to be pissed thinking, somebody throw me the bleeping ball. Yeah, but if you don't play Daniel Jones, then you're going to have Tyrod Taylor also not winning football games for your football team. And you're going to have your starting quarterback, who you just paid a bunch of money on money to, pissed off that he's around the bench for the rest of the season. I mean, do you want him to either potentially fail but have the opportunity to succeed or have him pissed off sitting on the bench with a pocket full of money that you're that you're on the dime for? I mean, to me, it just doesn't make sense to play. Like, if they both are healthy – you may he's still a young quarterback. You're still developing him. He's still got things to learn. I mean, I, I don't I don't see where the benefit in playing Tyrod Taylor is if you're the Giants. You at least want to give give Daniel Jones the opportunity. Because he he's looked decent at times in the career. That's why he got the contract. He looked fine last year. You gotta give him the opportunity to be able to turn things around. Daniel Jones got paid because of two games against the Minnesota Vikings, a team that could not stop a nosebleed. A team that could not stop you running and you throwing the ball last year. But Dylan, if if you bench if if you bench a healthy Daniel Jones, you have to move on from him. You can't you can't bring him back next season. So if you're the Giants, what do you do? Do you do you eat that contract you just gave him last off season? I mean. Boy, I'll tell you what, if I'm an owner of an NFL team and my general manager just gave gave a quarterback a boatload of money and then benched him halfway through the next season and then got told me that he wants to get rid of him in the next offseason, I'm going to look at him and I'm going to say, you're out of here too, buddy. You're going out the door with him. By the way, by the way, I will bet you the Daniel Jones move was not a GM move. It was a pure ownership move thinking this guy is Eli Manning 2.0 when Daniel Jones is a bottom 10 quarterback in the league. Well, then the GM should be fired for not standing up to his owner, and the owner should sell the team because, I mean. The Mall family is not – the Mall family won't sell the Giants, trust me. I don't know. I'm glad I'm not a Giants fan. I'll tell you that much. And, I, and my good buddy is, and I feel sorry for him every Sunday when he shows, or every Monday when he shows up to work. And now he's got, and now he's got a bigger headache after what you Dolphins did to him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he knew that was coming. We, uh, we were very, uh, we were very ready for that Monday. But let's move on. Um, enough about uh, Tyron Taylor, or Daniel Jones. I'm tired of talking about him anyway. Uh, I want to hear about a couple quarterbacks who also have hot. That, that we have higher expectations for that may not have, be performing. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. We're gonna do that. We're gonna do best quarterback right now, homie. I am skipping a segment. All right. Uh, you take the lead on that, or is that me? Go ahead. I don't know what we're talking about here. Who's the best quarterback right. in the league? That we're talking about. Yes, right now. All right, Dylan. Who's the best quarterback in the league right now? I'll give you a hint. We mentioned the birds. It's a number eight, and 
On the back, it says Lamar Jackson, but really it should be Lamar Superman Jackson because this is the best Lamar Jackson I've ever seen play. Yeah. I mean, Lamar has never thrown the ball better. He's got never had this many weapons. I mean, we saw, I mean, that game again on Sunday against the Lions was what the I'm like, that game's over in the first quarter. I mean, Lamar's throwing passes. I mean, Zay Flowers looks like the rookie wide receiver. Of course, the Chargers screw up and draft the one rookie receiver who can't play instead of Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers, but we know. Yeah. Uh, Mark Andrews, next to Travis Kelsey, maybe TJ Hawkson, most dependable tight end in the league. Um, Rashad Bateman finally caught some passes. Odell Beckham, Nelson Aguilar catching passes. And then, let's see, Lamar can run the ball, right? Well, this Tom Munkin offense lets him throw the ball, run the ball, and I mean the Ravens right now look scary. There we go. I mean Lamar right now looks better than he did in 2019, and I think in the MVP battling took place today, Lamar is the leader in the clubhouse. See, I disagree. I mean, I like I totally understand where you're coming from. Lamar Jackson's having a great year, but if we're talking about best quarterback in the league right now, it's still Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's. It's it's not really much of a debate. I mean, the the Kansas City Chiefs are sitting at six and one. Their one loss this season was the first game of the the opening night of the National Football League season to a Detroit Lions fan team who we now know is legit and honestly one a, a contender in the NFC, uh, which we did not think uh, necessarily that we didn't give them that high of accolades. I'd say after we or before leading up to Week One. I mean, Patrick Mahomes. You and, and the big thing that really sells it for me is yes, they've won every single game since week one opening season. And you were just talking about the weapons that Lamar Jackson has. Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers. He's even got Odell Beckham out there. Who does Tra- who does Patrick Mahomes have catching the ball other than Travis Kelsey? And I, it's he's got the worst receiving core of his entire career, and he's still putting up these numbers. He's still winning football games. And honestly, he probably should be undefeated at this point this season. It's It's... I, I respect what Lamar Jackson's doing, uh, but it's it's not to the extent that Patrick Mahomes is doing. You're just saying it because you want to see Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift in the Super Bowl, right? No, I sure don't. I want to see Tua Tungavailoa, Tyreek Hill, and the Miami Dolphins in the Super Bowl. Taylor Swift can go shake it off. Or maybe, or maybe it'll be some teardrops on my guitar. On my guitar. Uh, you lost me there. I, I knew the one, but that's uh, that's all I got for you. Not much of a Swifty over here. Much much bigger Travis Kelsey fan, especially when he's supporting my fantasy teams. <laughs> but uh, we can move on. Let's move on. Um, next category, this is where I was going with the last category before uh, I accidentally skipped it, but to the point, what's wrong with Justin Herbert and J- Justin Justin Herbert and Josh Allen? Talk to me. I want to hear it because it's uh, Justin Herbert is uh, not looking like the Justin Herbert that, honestly, I, I think everyone was expecting Justin Herbert to take a bit more of a step this year, and he is taking a step back. And then uh, we can start with that, and then we'll go into Josh Allen, who I think the Buffalo Bills as a whole have been a bit questionable this season as well. 
Well, you and I both have different opinions on Justin Herbert. You think he's unclutched. You think he can't. You think he can't win the big games. But I am a huge Justin Herbert fan. I picked him to win MVP this year. And be honest with you, I don't think Justin Herbert's played great the last couple weeks. But the other Chargers have failed him, just like they failed Dan Fouts, just like they failed Drew Brees. Just like they failed Phil Brooks. The city of San Diego. Slash LA now. No, they failed the city of San Diego. I guess they're failing the city of LA too, but their fans don't show up to those games anyway. But the Chargers right now on have got everything you want. A top five quarterback in his prime. An otherworldly running back in Austin Eckler. A great dependable receiver in Keenan Allen. Oh. Two pass rushers, and the Chargers keep losing because they've got because Brandon Staley right now couldn't coach a youth football team. I mean, but be honest with you, right now the LA Chargers are close. You and I both know. Oh, and and yeah, Herbert hasn't been great. And maybe there's something mechanically wrong with Herbert, but beyond me right now, he's had three offensive coordinators in four years. The Chargers couldn't figure out their head coach coaching situation. Where where is Austin Eckler? Is he really healthy coming off that high ankle sprain? Yes, Mike Williams is out, but Keen Allen's still great. Josh Palm's catching pass left and right. What what's going on with Quinn and Johnson? Is he in the witness protection program? Can he play? Because I saw him make plays at TCU, and now he can't catch in the end. Now he can't even get on the field in the NFL. And more importantly, the Chargers' offensive line has been pitiful, pitiful, pitiful. Wait, wait. Do I need to say it one more time? Yeah. The Chargers' offensive line. Couldn't protect Herbert in week six against Dallas and week seven against Kansas City. And the Chargers supposedly have a good offensive line. And Brand Staley's the defensive mind coach. And why couldn't the Chargers get it stop a nosebleed right now? I mean, the Chargers, let's see, every single Chargers Chiefs game I've seen the past three years. Who is making plays for the Chiefs? And literally every single play. And I'm like, why can't the Chargers stop Travis Kelsey? You know who Pat Mahomes is going to throw the ball in every key situation. And literally every single big pass Pat Mahomes throws to is Travis Kelsey. And uh, wait, how many how many balls did Travis Kelsey get on Sunday? A lot. I think he called 12 for 170 in a touchdown. Trust me, you know, because one of us played Kelsey in DK last week. You did. I still won, though. No, I won. Did you win? Barely. I I was winning late. No, Josh Palmer and uh, I think it might have been the Pacheco touch. Oh, wait, but you used him too. It might have been the Palmer going over 100 yards. 
baby. I don't know, Dylan. All I know is Justin and, Herbert and, is still on clutch. He can't play in the fourth quarter, and I'm sorry. Yes, his head coach is terrible, but we had Brian Flores as our head coach and still took us to the playoffs with a quarterback carousel. Justin Herbert, if he was as good of a quarterback as you said he says he as you say he is, he would overcome Brandon Staley. He's got enough weapons on his team, and the fact that he can't take a fourth quarter drive with the game on the line without throwing a pick or taking two sacks in an, in, in a in a intentional grounding against Miami, it's there gets to a point where yes, your coaching is bad, but you still have the opportunity to do it on the field, and he cannot get it done when it counts. I've seen it countless times. It happens over and over and over again, and I'm tired of the excuses for Justin Herbert. He's he's not clutch. I'm sorry, he's got an arm like a cannon. He's got great hair, but when it comes to winning football games in the fourth quarter or when it comes to winning playoff games, it doesn't happen. And I don't care who your coach is. The players are the ones on the field making plays, and Justin Herbert is not doing enough to get it done. And, and for Josh Allen right now, I think Josh Allen may be the most freakish quarterback we've ever seen. And, yes, mistakes happen with Josh Allen. But to be honest, I think the Bills have let it down. The Bills' offensive line is still bad. Why can't Buffalo ever run the ball, especially playing half, half the games in Orchard Paul? Yeah. I mean, it's basic. Josh Allen doesn't trust anyone outside of Steph Diggs. And, you know, maybe part of the reason why Herbert and Allen have disappointed this year, there's nobody they can trust. When Joe Montana was in San Francisco, who did he have as his head coach? Bill Walsh. Who did Peyton Manning have? No, 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 no. Who did Peyton Manning have in Indianapolis? Tom Moore. Who did Tom Brady have in New England? Josh McDaniels. Buffalo doesn't have that with Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey might be a good offensive coordinator, but Josh Allen can't trust him. And I think Sean McDermott is an okay head coach, but in today's NFL, I think you need an offensive mind head coach. Would would uh, Robert Sal have created the touch push? No. Thank you. That's a good point. It's definitely a good point. And it's working out well for Miami. It's working out well for the Detroit Lions. I know Dan Campbell is a tight ends coach and was a tight end himself. And you know, it's it's. I definitely think in today's NFL, it's you know, obviously the. Uh, Excuse me. Obviously, the uh, the the long long told tale is defense wins championships, but at this point, you got to be able to outscore those defenses, and uh, it's not going to happen without putting points on the board. And it's definitely not going to happen with Justin Herbert throwing fourth quarter interceptions. Okay, okay, that's enough. That's enough. I saw two at throw fourth quarter interception last week. I was pass interference, by the way. Ten penalties to zero. I, I didn't see any flags on the three minutes from the stadium. Just saying, and he was banned from coaching for refing college football because of uh, some uh, some uh, in uh, in what's the, what's the word uh, in uh, bias in out officiating something like that. I don't know. So wait, now you're blaming the referees for why you guys lost? I did it this whole time. I'm not blaming the referees for why we lost, but 
10 penalties to zero when there was plenty of penalties against the against the Eagles. It's just it, it, it makes it an uphill battle for sure. Okay, so now okay so so mask on fourth down. All right. Well, good news. Good news. You know what week eight means in the 2023 NFL season for fantasy teams? What? You know what's different than week eight compared to five, six, seven, nine, ten, eleven, thirteen, fourteen? So no bye weeks. No bye weeks. Huh. I didn't know that. <laughs> eight and twelve are no bye weeks. Because week 12 is Thanksgiving's on week 12. Fun fact. Learn something new every week. What is the biggest week 8 injury you're looking at? There's definitely a bunch of them. Um, you know, I, I definitely want to say Terry Kill because that, I mean, honestly, I, I, I'm going to go with Terry Kill because. We don't know anything about it yet, and it's scary because Tyreek Hill realistically should probably be the front runner for MVP this season. What he is doing is absolutely ridiculous. He's sh he's shattering wide receiver records this season. He's got the most reception yards through uh, seven weeks in NFL history. He's fully and confidently on pace for 2,000 yards, which has never happened. From the wide receiver position it's it's we're seeing things that we've never seen in football before and uh he is definitely key to the miami dolphins offense of course Tua and waddle would be able to um you know hold it down and i'm fully confident even if tyree killed at play against the patriots that we'd still probably cover the nine point spread but you know it's uh it's definitely something that the dolphins have to be very aware of and have to take very seriously because any 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 long-term injury to Tyree Kill, uh, you can kiss the Super Bowl away you know, goodbye. You could probably kiss a playoff win goodbye because he is just that good. I mean, it's it's something we haven't seen before. Um, I don't care about Justin Jefferson. I don't care about Cooper Cup. Tyree Kill is the best wide receiver in the NFL, and it's really not even close. So anytime a player that dominant is uh, in danger of missing a football game, you know, I'm going to have to say that's probably the biggest thing. Again, it's the Patriots. I don't think it'll really change too much against the Patriots because of how bad they are this season. But, um, you know, I'm going to go Tyreek Hill. I'm going to the Bay Area because Brock Purdy being out changes that whole Bengals 49ers game because Cincinnati San Francisco look like the game of the day still is. But the 49ers are getting banged up, just like they always seemingly all this time of year. Debo didn't play on Monday night. Trent Williams didn't play. Christian McCaffrey looked like Christian McCaffrey. But the 49ers are hurting. And now on a short week with, you won't believe who will be the 49ers starting quarterback this weekend. Sam Darnold. Well, Sam Darnold be seeing ghosts. He sure did in New York. Honestly, I don't know how that's going to go. I kind of feel like – is it wrong of me to say I think Sam Darnold could potentially not – maybe not match Brock Purdy's production, but 
not be as big of a drop off as a lot of people say he is. He's got such a there's such a stacked team in San Francisco. The offensive line is incredible. The defense is incredible. You can rely on your running back in Christian McCaffrey, the best running back in the league, and you have weapons for him to throw to. I mean, to me, like there's no better team in football to be to have to rely on a stand-in quarterback. I, I really like obviously Brock Purdy, you know, you've got the concussion. As long as they treat things right and as long as they do it right and not do it like the Dolphins did last season with Tua, he should only miss maybe one, maybe two games if he has a setback. But really, I mean, it should just be the one. I could see Sam Darnold coming into that football game, obviously game planning for it and kind of game managing that game, giving a lot of the ball to Christian McCaffrey, a lot of the ball to Debo Samuel. And uh, I could see him holding on to that game and, and, and having Cincinnati go down to uh, to Sam Darnold in the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, Sam Darnold has never played with this good, with this good of a team with this good, good of a head coach. Sure didn't have it with the Jets or the Panthers. Yeah, McCaffrey with the Panthers. You're right. Meow. <laughs> Although I don't, I'm not sure Darnold and McCaffrey played together much. Did they not? I mean, they probably didn't play together much, but they were on the same team. Because Dolan was... They definitely overlapped. Not that it matters now, but it's going to be interesting to see what Dolan and McCaffrey do on Sunday, because if you're the Bengals, this is absolutely a must-win game. Absolutely. Every game's a must-win game for the Bengals at this point, with how good the Ravens are playing, and I mean, what that AFC is looking like. I mean, you, you, you sure put yourself behind the eight ball by having that bad of a start, Cincinnati. And you got to pretty much put – it's got to be pedal to the metal for the rest of the season. You can't take any weight for granted. Agree. I mean, if you look at the Bengals' schedule of San Francisco, Buffalo, Baltimore, Pittsburgh twice, Jacksonville, Kansas City, that is a gauntlet of quarterbacks. Disgusting. I didn't realize how bad that was. That makes me happy as a uh, fellow AFCer. Wait a minute. Don't the Dolphins have a brutal schedule the rest of the way? It's not as bad as that, that's for sure. I mean, we've got – we still play the Chiefs, but we've got New England again. We've got the Jets twice. Uh, the Commanders, the Titans. Cowboys. Then we finish Cowboys, Ravens, Bills, which is definitely a top finish to the season. But we've got the Raiders. I mean, the Patriots, that's a locked-up win. The Raiders, I'm pretty sure we can sweep the Jets. The Commanders, the Titans, all of those games would be wins. And then it just comes down to stealing a couple from definitely got to beat Buffalo Week 18. Um, I think we could beat the Cowboys on Christmas Eve. And like I said at the top of the show, I expect us to beat the Kansas City Chiefs next week. Hmm. Lock it in. And we're covering the spread against New England this week. Oh, so wait. So if my so wait. Uh, so wait. If New England beats your Dolphins, uh, everybody will come texting you, texting and DM you, saying, "Why did I listen to that knucklehead, Alex? Why not listen to me? Why don't they listen to me?" 
honestly, it's typically the smarter move to listen to Dylan, but I'm locking in Dolphins spread. You're locking in Dolphins money line. Oh, money lines. You're not going to make any money on the money line. Okay, you're locking in Miami and the points. I I might do an alternate line. I mean, honestly, I don't even think I need I, I just – I don't think Mac Jones is a good quarterback, and that's really what it comes down to for me. Like, the, they, they they played better than I thought they would the first time we played them, but this is Miami. We're on our throwbacks. We are going to be ready for this football. Okay, we've got one more topic left, and you're going to ask me the question. All right, Dylan. Here's the last topic. The trade deadline is not quite here yet, but uh, it's it's creeping closer. It's getting a little bit closer. And I want to know, Dylan, who would you say would be the biggest trade potential with this upcoming trade deadline? I would love to see Kirk Cousins end up with the Atlanta Falcons. Wow. Okay. Huh. After they just drafted Ritter? I've seen enough for Desmond Ritter. He's not good. The Atlanta Falcons are good enough to win the NFC South and maybe even win a playoff game with Kirk Cousins. Let's see. Kyle Pitts, Drake London, B. John Robinson when he when he when his head's on when he's not feeling achy. And a very good offense line, really good young coach and Arthur Smith. You put that in a quarterback list division where Baker Mayfield is the best quarterback in the NFC South today. The Atlanta Falcons not only will win the division, but will give any will give that number five seed, whether it's Dallas or the NFC West team, hell in the first round and maybe even beat them. Who's your preseason pick in the NFC South? I will plead the fifth on that. That would be the Carolina Panthers. I, I forgot. I didn't even remember who it was. I had the Saints who – it was looking like a decent pick. But now they're not looking as hot. But, yeah, you're the Panthers. Would say. That's, an interesting, that's an interesting call, though. I mean, Kirk Cousins, it's so weird because, like, he hasn't been with the Vikings for that long, but I just, like – I just feel like the Vikings is such the right spot for him. Like, I just – I can't picture him in another jersey, even though he's played in a couple other. Um, and I, I just – I don't know. I don't know what that would mean for Justin Jefferson. Obviously, I mean, there's a couple good quarterbacks coming out of the draft next year. How high Minnesota can get in the draft is, is yet to be determined. But, you know, you definitely got to make Justin Jefferson happy because there's no one, no one, no one in Minnesota who is more valuable than Justin Jefferson. And that is – if you're gonna make one person happy, that's the man you gotta make that. Hey, what if hey, what if Minnesota got Taylor Williams to Drake May for the next ten years? You're gonna have to sell a house to the Chicago Bears. <laughs> or the Panthers. I'm, do the Panthers have their draft pick? Uh the Bears have Carolina's first round pick this year. Because the Bears could potentially get the top two pick, which would be great. Yeah, get Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. You think the Bears would draft Caleb Williams? 
1,000%. Keep. And trade fields. Goodbye. That'd be crazy. Like, I, I would draft him and trade him. Or draft him. I think I would trade fields because then you don't have to pay Caleb Williams for the next five years. It's true, but I mean, I, there's no such thing as lock in the NFL, man. I don't Justin, care. I I don't think Justin Fields is getting better in Chicago. Yeah, this is this season is definitely. But the shameful thing is, he was turning around and then he got hurt. Like he had a brutal start of the season. I'll give you that. But things look like – I mean, you saw what DJ Moore did. I mean, I, I really had high expectations for the second half of the Bears season with just the connection that DJ Moore and, and Justin Fields were building. I really thought they had something going there. And it's a shame that he got hurt because, you know, I, I was really interested to see him. Not just because I have him in like two or three fantasy leagues, but, um, you know, it's. I was really interested to kind of see how how, how he developed through this year because I, I think everyone was expecting him to take take another step this season, and then did it definitely didn't happen the, in the first half of the season. It looked like we might even get some glimpses of it changing, and who knows, he could be out for the rest of the year. So, you know, if he is out for the rest of the year and he doesn't have a chance to to kind of keep up that that positive turn, it looked like he was having. And yeah, I mean, I I could definitely see it, but you know, you gotta. The Bears are still trying to win football games. There's, they're not tanking. I don't. I, I. I really don't. I don't think they are. And it's just going to be. I mean, they've got the Panthers pick, so and it doesn't look like the Panthers are going to be doing anything. So who knows? But it'll be interesting to see. That's for sure. All right, Alex. Thanks for hopping on. Uh, your Miami Dolphins host the New England Patriots. My Jacksonville Jaguars head to the Steel City. So. Um, Hopefully, week eight goes better for your Dolphins, and maybe we'll both be six and two come Halloween. That's what we can hope for. Thanks for having me, Dylan, as always, and you know. Good stuff.